0: Welcome to the Accelerator Podcast, covering the church and church planning in the South. Accelerator is a resource of the 242 Network, the church planning arm of the Mississippi Baptist Convention. The 242 Network exists to assess, train, and support church planners. In each podcast, we will interview church planners and pastors around the South to gain and insight into ministry to further God's kingdom and church. And now, with your host,
1: Brian Tillman, we welcome you to The Accelerator Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Accelerator Podcast. My name is Brian Tillman, the host of the show, and with us today is Dr. Greg Belser. Dr. Belser is the pastor of Morrison Heights Baptist Church in Clinton, Mississippi. Dr. Belser, welcome. Hey, good morning. Good I am sure that I'm sure that you think you are at an all-time low by joining us on the Accelerator podcast. I don't think that at all. Oh, come on, let's be honest today. No. But uh, we do thank you for uh, joining us today and uh Thank you also for your willingness to help out with uh, 242 and uh, church planning in Mississippi. Um, We do appreciate uh, you helping us
0: in that venture. I am delighted to be a part of church planning in Mississippi. We need to continue to plant new churches that uh, reach a new generation. So I'm very eager to be a part of that effort. Totally agree with you
1: there. Take just a moment and share with our listeners um, about you, possibly about your family, and, uh, and maybe your ministry journey, how it got you to, uh, to Morrison Heights in Mississippi, for that matter.
0: All right. Uh, born in Dallas, Texas, raised south of there, near Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, I was the second of four sons in a family, uh, moderately church-going family. Okay. A lot of reasons that hindered uh, church participation when we were children and teenagers, but at the age of 19, almost 20, the Lord got a hold of my life in a profound way. And um, I date my conversion to being 11 years old uh, in a vacation Bible school kind of a context. But okay. but at 19, uh, the Lord got in the middle of my, of my life in a big way and I uh, surrendered to the ministry shortly thereafter, and uh, I'm not the son of a preacher or anything like that, so I don't really have a pedigree in pastoral work, but it just seemed something that uh, God was doing in my life. I looked forward to that. I uh, had dated a girl for a while. We broke up through college, but she eventually came to her senses and came back and married me, (laughs) and uh, so... We went to, moved off to uh, Southwestern Seminary, Fort Worth, and uh, did a master's degree there. Did youth ministry in uh, a couple of churches and uh, took an opportunity after seminary to move to Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, didn't know a soul in Alabama except the pastor who hired me, Okay, but uh, was excited to go. New opportunity to go of a different environment for me, my wife, and I, and a one-year-old daughter. We moved over there and uh, loved it and uh, stayed in Alabama 22 years and uh, pastored two churches after that stint as a youth minister. Uh, And 14 plus years ago, uh, moved from Montgomery, Alabama to Clinton, Mississippi, and uh, pastoring now at Morrison Heights. We have three daughters. They're all married to guys in ministry. We have nine grandchildren, so life has been rich for us. Rich and busy. Yeah, busier every day. <laughs> uh,
1: so you have now been at, at Morrison Heights for, uh, for 14 years. Um, talk to me and our listeners, for that matter. I've been at uh, River Bend for 12 and a half years. Uh, talk to us uh, just a minute about how to uh, stay on track keep your church on track uh, for the long haul in a long pastorate
0: well I'm a fan of long pastorates uh, I think there are some potential liabilities uh, a guy can get lazy uh, I don't want to be that guy uh, number two I think sometimes your church uh, can can be hindered if if you're not uh, staying. Fresh and committed to the scriptures yourself, you can't give away what you don't own. so if a pastor just sort of puts it in neutral and begins to coast and that's a liability for a long pastor. but the flip side is that the positives greatly outweigh the negatives in my judgment, and uh, I get a chance to come in and uh, shape a generation. If I stay long enough, maybe two. come on. Uh, if you're doing the right things, I think that's a positive. Uh, I'd say the challenges are that, uh, you know, they hear your voice a lot and uh, they hear it for a long, long, long time. And so I, I think uh, it's dif- it's important to uh, keep uh, perhaps additional voices in periodically somehow. Uh, but I do think at the end of the day, uh, the, a guy that can come in and can teach the whole council of God, it's a it's a big Bible. Uh, there's a lot of sermonic material. There's a lot of leadership challenges. There's a lot of discipleship uh, privileges there that we can afford other people and get folks connected. And, uh, and so if we're m- multiplying ourselves with either staff or uh, men in the church, uh, I think uh, the church wins uh, that way. But I do, I do admit there is a challenge to staying fresh and keeping the church on task. I will say that one of the things that I've tried to do, Brian, is uh, is to spend some time annually, just making sure we're anchored. We know we know where we're anchored. It's it's sort of like being on a boat. Every now and then you got to check the ropes. If you're if you're tied off somewhere, uh, you go through a storm. You got to you got to check those knots, make sure everything's squared away. And so we try to do that annually. We don't try to make a big deal out of that, but uh, it, it is a big enough deal uh, that we, we pay attention to, to
1: where our anchor points are. So when you're, when you're doing that as a, as a church, are you doing that with a uh, lead team? You're doing that with deacons, with staff. How, how does that uh, look, um, for you guys there at,
0: uh, at Morrison Heights? Well, uh, 10 years ago, we moved to elder leadership. We are not elder ruled; We're congregational ruled, but we have elder leadership. So we have an, I have an elder team. I meet with them twice a month. Uh, We do have paid staff. I meet with them every week, whether they want to or not. (laughs) And uh, we, uh, we work that way. Uh, That's kind of my, my leadership group, that's my small group, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I try to pour into those guys, and uh, I benefit from them. Obviously, my elder team is uh, a different kind of team than my staff team. Staff guys all got a little Bible training, a little seminary here and there, Bible college kind of background. Okay. My elders are, uh, are are businessmen. They're laymen. They They work day in, day out have uh, loved Christ, loved their families, and loved the church. So we, uh, we try to make sure both, if you will, our left hand communicates well with our right hand. We make sure there's no bridge that uh, we don't cross. We make sure that everybody's singing on the same sheet of music. And uh, I, That's my job. I, I have to make sure that we don't get going in two different directions.
1: I've got you. I got you. Uh, share with share with our listeners um, just the context of uh, of where your church is, um, and maybe maybe the the vision or the mission
0: that uh, you guys have at uh, at Morrison Heights. All right. Well, we're sixty years old as a congregation. We're a a, a church plant from uh, what was then the clinton baptist church now first baptist church clinton okay. and uh we were planted on the growing east side of clinton back in 1958 and uh that that side of clinton is not growing now <laughs> <I'll>, uh <laughs> well, church relocate i've driven uh, that, side of, that side of clinton before but, uh, the church relocated 12 years ago, went from nine acre campus to a 75 acre campus. We've got about 45 acres that we don't use. It's just wooded. We got a lot of ideas for that property, but, uh, not enough money, okay. uh, but nonetheless, um, we, uh, so we have essentially a 25 or 30 acre facility campus that, uh, we, we have access to, we, we have to mow, if you will, a lot of parking lot. Uh, the church is, uh, I'd, I'd call us a traditional Baptist church. We're very committed to historic Baptist cooperation. So we cooperate with our local association. We cooperate with our ba- state Baptist convention. We cooperate at the national level. We're very committed. To mission work, uh, we spend a lot of money uh, on missions, uh, not, not just cooperative missions, but individual strategies here within our local church. We, we partner with and support, not full time by any means, but we, we, we give a little money to a lot of people on a regular basis, monthly basis, and uh, have more than 35 relationships uh, around the world. From uh, Central Asia, that's kind of the ends of the earth for us. We've adopted a unreached people group in Central Asia. And we do a lot of things in a lot of other places uh, where there have been mission work for a long time, like Ukraine, like the Philippines, like Peru. Uh, we, we have a lot of, of uh, hooks in the water overseas that we're uber committed to. We also do a lot of uh, locally in north america we're involved either as a sponsoring church or a partnering church in five north american mission board sin cities and uh, about to build a relationship with a sixth of those cities that uh, we're pretty excited about we're also planning churches locally we've got a new church plant going on right now in jackson and uh our old building parenthetically Brian, your listeners may be interested in, to, in this news. When we moved 12 years ago, the work in theory was we would sell our old building and uh, we would take that money and pay down the debt. Well, I can speak from experience. There's very little market for an old church. Uh, yeah. And anybody who's been around can verify that. So we opted to uh, keep that facility. So we have two buildings. Mm -hmm. one church, Uh, and they're about a mile and a half apart. The uh, old building uh, is currently being used by four different churches. One is a Hispanic church, one is a historically African-American church, and the other two are historically Anglo churches, but uh, they're in various stages of uh, needing building. Some of them are coming up. One of them's on so to speak, on the way down. I had to sell their property and they needed a place to meet, so forth. So they're using various components of that old building. And uh, we're very proud of that, very committed to that, and uh, want to see the facility used in the church planting business. So uh, we are continue to do that. And uh, looking at new church opportunities around us, we have committed uh, a sizable chunk of money in our new budget for a new church plant that we're in the talking stages about right now. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, leadership today is a, uh,
1: is a buzzword, so to speak, in church culture and church circles. Um, talk to me about your thoughts on leadership and maybe your philosophy of leadership. Uh, you talked about your elder uh, team and also your staff, and and maybe just how you lead those components, but also the church as a whole.
0: Well, I agree with you. Leadership matters a great deal. Uh, when I did my uh, doctoral work, I, I, I focused on the concept of servant leadership. That's a very popular term. Everybody's for it. And not everybody's. How, how doing do you do that? that? How do you do that? I'm just a question. <laughs> uh, but obviously, I, I believe in that. I think that's exactly what uh, I want the fragrance of my life to be—a servant leader. I am not dictatorial. I, I work collaboratively. If anything, I over communicate. I spend a lot of time making sure we're all on the same page and moving in the same direction. I try to work hard, make sure that's the case. I don't want guys to be surprised. I don't want guys uh, to, to perceive that my yes doesn't mean yes uh, or my no mean no. Uh, I want guys to, don't, to to trust me, and I want to trust them. I have a high uh, value on loyalty, so I'll, that goes both ways. Uh, I, want, I want to be loyal to the guys that work alongside me, and uh, I would prefer they reciprocate. Uh, So I I work real hard at that. Uh, I'm a happy guy. I'm a positive guy. I like to think I smile at the future. And as such, I think the guys that work around me uh, are also that, that guy. I I do not try to hire guys that are just like me. I want guys who will push back. I want guys that will step out and say, I don't think that's a good decision. Uh, Here's why. But at the same time, Uh, as the pastor, I know I, I, I do have to bear the, uh, weight of responsibility for whichever direction we go. When, when you, uh,
1: you say that you work collaboratively and you want some guys to push back, uh, I'm taking that as, Hey, bring your ideas to the table. But uh, as we sit around the table and we look at all these ideas, a decision is going to be made, and then we're going to all get on board and, and move forward. Um, is is that that happens on, on multiple levels? I know, uh, but when there are major decisions uh, that are there, uh, and staff is bringing their ideas, how, how have you seen uh, folks not? Uh, what am I trying to say? Not uh, grab a hold, just be the yes man or the yes lady. And, and, but finally after they have agreed to say, Hey, here are my ideas, but you're making this other decision. Have you kept them on the team and happy? while? Well,
0: well, again, one of the things that I try to emphasize with my guys and we get away at least annually and sometimes semi-annually for a multi-day uh, retreat. Got you. Uh, but one of the things I have as is, is an ongoing component, not only at that retreat, but in a, on sort of on repeat in our, our meetings, is I continue to look at the guys and say, "Look, I need for you to to lead here. I need for you to 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 be creative. I need for you to be." I tell them all the time. I don't have the gift of whatever that is, you know, creativity, the gift of party, the gift of, of uh entrepreneur. I, I, I'm not that guy. I'm a plotter, I, I'm steady as she goes. I'm very content with yesterday's experience. I'm not looking for today to be new. But I also realize that my personality or my temperament is counterproductive to actually helping the church to engage the next generation. That's, that is that—is the objective. It is to make disciples of the next generation. And my personality has a tendency to work against that. So I tell my guys, I need for you to help lift my eyes, to see things or think things or understand things that I don't normally see or feel. So I want to affirm that again and again and again. I am not threatened at all by guys <laughs> who are, who are different. It just does not threaten me. Some guys are, but I am not that guy. And, uh, but I, but I need for them to be loyal. So it's okay to say, Greg, I think you're wrong, but it's not okay to say, Greg, I think that I'm going to you know, work to undercut your authority or your leadership or hurt the church in any way. That obviously is not the same. But you're right. We want to we want to work hard. I, I would commend a book to your listeners, Brian, that Patrick Lencioni has written a book called Death by Meeting. It's a pretty mundane uh, leadership book. Uh, but it, he in Lencioni's style, he creates a, a narrative of people that are in a company and they're going to meetings that they're bored with. And uh, his point, of course, in the book is that the problem with meetings is that they're boring. And the reason they're boring is because there's no drama. So that's a phrase. We read that book as a staff, and that's a phrase that I've captured. And I use that again and again. Periodically, we'll go into a meeting and I'll say, I'm going to need some drama in my life today. So this is a meeting where I'm counting on you guys to bring the drama. Because I exist to not have drama. I've raised three daughters and we have nine grandchildren and I got all the drama I need at home. I don't need it at church. But at the same time, you can't really uh, be as, as creative as you want to be, or perhaps be as cutting edge as you'd like to be, or at least entrepreneurial in certain ways. If you don't have some folks that are committed to thinking differently, and acting differently and giving you the appropriate pushback. So that's what I want got you. Uh, listeners, I uh, hope that, uh, you caught a
1: number of, uh, kind of points that, uh, Dr. Belser just made for us. It is a, uh, a great thing to be able to know who you are and be okay with that and, uh, and allow others to be who they are, um, on the team and do what God's called them to. So, uh, that was a, uh, some great insight and I appreciate your, uh, your honesty there and, uh, and how you lead your team there at Morrison Heights. Uh, I also appreciate, uh, I know I stated it in the, uh, in the introduction of you, but I do appreciate your, your help with 242. You've been on the board of 242. You have a, uh, a passion to see church planning in Mississippi, and abroad, uh, as you've stated, that uh, you guys are, are partnering with a number of our sin cities with North American Mission Board. Um, what excites you about church planning in Mississippi these days?
0: Well, several things. I won't belabor them all, but I'll tell you, uh, I think we're in better shape in church planning than ever In my 14 years, I admit that 14 years is not a long history in Mississippi, but I will tell you that I got involved early on uh, in church planning when I came to the state. Mm -hmm. And I think we're healthier today. We're stronger today. There's more going on. And what is going on is better than it was five years ago or 10 years ago. So I'm grateful for guys like yourself and others who are strongly involved there. I just rejoice. Glory to God for that. I guess uh, I'll pay you. I guess I'll pay you
1: twenty bucks for that's for right.
0: That's right. Yeah. Uh,
1: how did you get involved when when you first moved to the state? Where it was church planning on your mind before when you were in Alabama and y'all had some focus there? But but how did you get involved uh, early on at, at Morrison
0: Heights when you came here? Uh, well, the answer to that is yes, no. Uh, yes, it was on my mind. Uh, no, I didn't come here looking for that to be priority one. Mm-hmm. I don't know Mississippi. I, I kid with the folks here in Clinton, Mississippi. I lived in Alabama, my family was in Texas. So Mississippi was flyover country. The sooner we get through Mississippi, the sooner we get to Texas or get home back to Alabama. So, but when I came here uh, early on, our church embraced a uh, Hispanic work. Okay. And uh, so we became a church with a, a church plant. Uh, that was, that was not, that was not some grand design strategically located here or anything. God just dropped it in our lap. And I, being from South Texas, I love Hispanic work. I love Hispanic pastors. I have a long history with that. Uh, I have a great regard for, for those brothers. So, and I know a little Spanish, so we had a good time. And uh, so as a result, the state convention wanted to do more in the first year that I was here and they put together an initial team and they just invited me because I was a a, a new guy, maybe had a different idea and a guy who was uh, pastoring a church that had a Hispanic work and there weren't many uh, across Mississippi uh, 13, 14 years ago. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got involved. And uh, I just, I got on this bicycle and I've never been able to get off. Uh, And I'm delighted that I'm not off because I get to hang out with guys who are not like me. Uh, There's a lot of young guys, Uh, A lot of guys who who maybe wouldn't fit in at Morrison Heights, wouldn't feel comfortable, and I wouldn't necessarily fit in where they are. But I'm delighted because I recognize that any church that uh, has been around for, you know, pick a number, 20 years, 30 years, uh, they sort of have established their identity Mm -hmm. in their community. Everybody kind of knows who they are, what they are, what they stand for. That's a good thing, or at least many people do. And uh, it's hard for them, therefore, after any length of time, two or three decades, to sort of become who they're not. And uh, there's a whole lot of people out there in everybody's town that's not who that church is. And the way you're going to reach those folks is to come up with a different expression. I'm from Texas. There's a lot of cowboy churches in Texas. I'm not a cowboy. I love... The fact that there are people who are cowboys, but I am not one. So I don't really want to go to a cowboy church. My wife doesn't want to go to a cowboy church, but there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands, dare I say, who want to. So I'm grateful that that expression. And I, I see that as, is why I'm committed to church planning. It is a way for me to make disciples with younger guys, with different guys who, don't dress like me or talk like me or, or they don't understand my jokes. But hey, we have a good time nonetheless.
1: There you go. There you go. Um, two or three more more questions, and we'll get you out of here today. Uh, what is what's one ministry area that uh, you would call? Man, I'm just passionate about that. If if it's in the church or or in ministry as as a whole, but that just um, that's just something that 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 gets you moving and going. Um, what's, what's something that you are passionate about, uh, in, in ministry?
0: Well, I guess, uh, developing men would be my biggest passion. I guess that's the thing that matters most to me. Uh, Um, I, as I mentioned, I came from a family of boys, four boys in my family. So I've been hanging out with, uh, with guys all my life. I, my house growing up was the kind of the hub. My mother was very open to having all our friends over. So we hung out, ran around together, played basketball in the yard and all that. Yep. And uh, so I just love hanging out with guys. I just, I talk fluent guy talk. I love men. <laughs> I love to see them become devoted to their wives and devoted to their children, devoted to God. That's a, it's a big important thing to me. My spiritual gift is teaching. I like to teach. Teaching is not, quote, hard work. It's not the kind of thing that I have to get in a study and grind out something for six or eight hours. I it just, I don't have to do that. It just, I recognize it as the hand of the Lord. There are many, many areas of my life where I am a weak, weak individual, weak pastor, not not as round, well-rounded as, as uh, Ryan Tillman is, that's for sure. You're you're joking, so that's funny. But I I do like to teach, so, you know, working with guys, that motivates me. So uh, this past week, uh,
1: listeners, uh, Dr. Belser invited me to uh, take part in something that has uh, become near and dear to him over the last few years, and that is the Deep South Pastor Retreat. And uh, we spent three or four days together um, just walking through the Gospel of John this year. Um, Tries to do it on an annual basis. And uh, this year we walked through the uh, Gospel of John with Dr. Andreas Kostenberger um, and a number of pastors from Mississippi, as well as a couple of guys from from Alabama. Uh, Talk to us uh, and, and our listeners of how that came about and um first thank you for the invite totally uh was blown away by the week it was a great time with some new friends and also a great time in God's word so uh, talk to our listeners about uh, how that has come about
0: well frankly uh, several years ago 5 years or so ago I read a blog post about a group of guys who had all come out of uh, Gordon-Conwell Seminary in Boston Massachusetts and uh, they got together in a, in a similar fashion. There was 30 or 40 of them that got together every week, I mean, every year. And they used a seminary professor who'd published a commentary. And uh, they would ask him to come in and teach through the material in his commentary. So it was an opportunity for these guys who all sort of had a common relationship academically mm-hmm. to uh, connect together annually, uh, kind of a reunion for them. Uh, But more importantly to me, the thing that caught my eye was the fact that pastors get a lot of mail. We get a lot of information. We have access to a lot of information on the Internet so forth and so on. But we don't normally get together and actually do uh, life-on-life interaction with the Bible in a deep and thorough way, in an, if you will, an intensive way. Once we finish formal academic preparation for ministry, most pastors are done with that. And so it's a shame. It's really a shame. We go to conferences, we hear a lot of good preaching, but it's just not the same. So I I called a bunch of guys I knew and said, Hey, why can't we do this down South? And uh, you know, we just, we all know some guys let's try to get some guys together. So we've been doing it uh, and it's a wonderful thing. Uh, We're not, we're not terribly organized. We're not <laughs> terribly professional. Uh, but we, we love one another. We're excited about that. We're not all the same. We've got guys from every theological stripe. Uh, and that's all, that's all fine and dandy. I, I want Again, it's an opportunity to, to say, well, here's the way I see it. Here's the way I understand it. That's right. And if the scripture is your authority, then we're not arguing tradition. We're not arguing what your mama taught you. Uh, we're arguing what the Bible says right here and how he says it. And I found that most pastors want to be that kind of student, mm-hmm. but they don't, A, they don't know how to f- create that environment for themselves. And B, they don't uh, regularly find a niche for that in their lives because their schedule pretty much eats them up. Their, their schedule owns them. So I, I ask guys to give me, three and a half days and uh, come hang out with us. So we'll do it again next year. If any of your listeners would like more information, they can contact me at Morrison Heights and I'll be glad to get them on the list. That is
1: uh, it's a great time uh, listeners and uh, much needed as well. And I thank Dr. Belzer for, uh, for putting that out there and uh, for uh, kind of leading in that uh, with the group of guys and friends that, uh, that he has, up to this point. A little segment that we call faves. So uh, just kind of some one-liners, uh, what your favorites are, okay? Uh, what's your favorite meal? If you could have one meal, what, uh, what's it going to look like? Meatloaf, macaroni and cheese meatloaf, and mac and cheese. Come on. You what, can tell that by looking at me, too. <laughs> what's uh, what's your favorite team or your favorite sport?
0: My goodness. Well, my favorite team is the Texas Longhorns. I went to Texas and uh, for one glorious semester, and uh, so I'm a big fan of the Texas Longhorns. I guess I like college football the best. I enjoy it the best. I have the longest history with baseball, so I'd say baseball is a close second. Okay. Uh, favorite person in history?
1: Oh, my goodness. Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon.
0: Why is Spurgeon your favorite person in history? Uh, well, he was called the Prince of Preachers. Uh, okay. Back before there was any advantage to being a preacher. He, God blessed his ministry in a profound way. He was a man that gave himself to everything that I think is good and right and holy. So I would love to be the second coming of Spurgeon. I am not, and I'm not going to be, but I would love to be. Come on, on. Favorite, uh, favorite book in the Bible? Uh, probably Genesis. Okay.
1: Uh, favorite vacation spot, not necessarily a specific one beach or mountain or somewhere in between if if you're going to go on vacation where would you like to go lake like to go to the lake uh favorite afternoon or day activity golf golf i did not know that about you dr belser golf i'll have to bring some clubs next time we we, uh, are in the same spot Last, but not least, uh, we try to end the podcast with a humorous story. Um, can you please tell our listeners a humorous or weird happening encounter that, uh, has happened in your ministry? It doesn't have to happen last week, but just somewhere along the line, this was just out of left field. Well, and it.
0: I do have a story. I, I didn't know you were going to ask me this, but I, this is a story I tell everywhere I go. I grew up in a little town outside of Corpus Christi, Texas. Our church had uh, six life deacons. They, they didn't rotate. Mm-hmm. The assumption was that the deacons knew everything, that they were uber spiritual, so forth. And as you would expect, they were not. <laughs> I, they were good men, but they were not perfect men by any means. But nonetheless, we had a particular woman in the church. I was the youth minister, a summer youth worker at age 20. Mm -hmm. And A particular woman in the church who uh, was convinced that she had a terminal disease that was transferable by mosquitoes. I'm not, if this, I am not making this up. (laughs) So she came to the church office one day. Uh, It happened to be an afternoon and the pastor never was in the office in the afternoon. So I was on the job for two months and I got a visit from a lady and uh, she was convinced that one of the deacons who was real spiritual in her mind had brought a pill bottle of mosquitoes to our week Wednesday night prayer meeting that week. And she was convinced that he did that for one reason, and that was to infect, let those mosquitoes go and infect every person in the room with her dread and terminal disease. And I I didn't know how to process that, Brian, at age 20. I didn't have a category. I never never met anybody that peculiar. Mm -hmm. never heard of anybody using death by mosquito as an assassination strategy. I, wow. That is so incredible a story. People don't believe me, but I'm telling you, so, it is the truth. So while you were there as the uh, summer uh, youth worker, um, did she pass away from that terminal disease? No, she did not. I think she lived into her nineties, another thirty years. <laughs> there you go. Well, I guess every disease is terminal. It just depends
1: on wow. how long it takes. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Dr. Belser, we uh, appreciate your time today. Thank you for uh, sharing your insight into uh, ministry, uh, what God's called you to, and uh, how he is using you and uh, Morrison Heights for his name and for his kingdom. We do appreciate it very much. Brian, God bless you, man. Appreciate you.
0: We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. For more information on Church Plain, visit the 242 network on the web. 242network.com